everybody, get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis on a beautiful weekend for a change mm-hmm. here in D.C. Um, you want to say something first about chefs, right? I do. Chefs for Equality, October 30th. It's this Monday. There are like 50 tickets left, so consider this your last call. For those of you who don't know, you should. Chefs for Equality is the only chef-led event in the D.C. metro area, raising funds for people in the LBGTQIA community. Over 120 chefs, over 25 mixologists, drag queens, a champagne and caviar bar, 800 people will be attending the National Building Museum and the annual fundraiser of Chefs for Equality. The party does not end there. There is a huge after party as well at Zebby's. You get all the info on that when you buy your ticket to Chefs for Equality. So I look forward to seeing you there. You will find me in the um, Caviar and Champagne Lounge. So come say hi. On the floor? Sitting up. Okay. I'm just, I'm, okay. I don't know why it matters to you. <laughs> all right. So, we always have a great drink segment, and today is uh, no different. Since opening in 2016, Service Bar has gone from being just a friendly neighborhood cocktail bar to being internationally recognized. They're number 33 on North America's 50 Best List, and co-owner Chad Spangler's with us today. I also, wait, wait. They won won the Rammy for Best Cocktail Program in 2023, and honestly, one of the best hamburgers in the world. David does love hamburgers. Nothing to do with cocktails. Your hamburger is awesome, dude. But they are also in because DC Cocktail Week returns 11, uh, November 28th to December 5th, and they are going to talk about why they participate in this annual week every year. Okay, hit it. All right, and Lydia Chang is here. Hi, Hi. Lydia. Lydia She's here Chang. with us. She's business partner and proprietor of Peter Chang Restaurant Group's Chang Chang. One of the hot restaurants in D.C. We had an amazing meal there. Um, excuse me. Also, a James Beard nominee. Oh, and a James family Beard has been nom- nominated. For- oh, that is no, yeah, that's right. Exactly. Uh, spell my name right on that check, and okay. who knows what will happen. Um, and she's brought in a ton of food, and we're going to hear all about Chang Chang. They've got a new menu there that's pretty innovative. We're going to uh-huh. hear all about that. Uh, John McCarthy and Carrie Jones are master mixologists and authors mm-hmm. who love the classics, classic cocktails, that is. Well, they've written multiple books. They've written multiple books. Their new one is called Every Cocktail Has a Twist, double entendre in that title. Uh, the ma- You can learn how to master 25 classic drinks and craft more than 200 variations of them. It's a really interesting book, and we're going to talk to them shortly as well. And did I do it? We're done. No, you didn't do it. You forgot Who Yolanda. Did? Oh, 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 my God. My chef. My favorite chef. All right. Cafe Unido is this awesome place where they feature and they, they put a spotlight on Panamanian coffee. And a lot of people don't know about the big coffee industry in Panama. Uh, and Chef Giovanna Uriola is the executive chef there. And we spent my birthday night doing a coffee tasting. An omakase. And, we did an omakase. It was I mean, so fantastic. So we're going to talk to her and find out. I'm going to get all your secrets Okay. right here on this show. They're going to come out. All right. But first, let's go to Chad Spangler. Chad, start off with a little bit about you and then the the, the, the service bar over. Growth. 
Sure. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Chad Spangler. I grew up in northeastern Pennsylvania, just outside of Scranton, and landed in D.C. because I went Scranton. to Scranton. We yeah. know Scranton, baby. Yeah. Sure. How so? Nikki's my, family's from my there. My grandparents oh, and my out. mother was born and raised there. Oh, okay. We can do that off air. Sounds A lot of good. people used to live there. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, I landed in Washington D.C. because I went to college here, and mm-hmm. uh, in college I started working at Founding Farmers. Actually, so I was really? Glendon's barback. Was my first like my real God. serious restaurant job. I'd worked mm-hmm. in some other things before. And John Arroyo was and there. John Arroyo, yeah, yeah. Oh still there. He well, I think somewhat, no. but yes. he is coming back to town. Uh, so we still stay in touch. Obviously, Glendon and I have stayed very close throughout the years. Um, we used to run a consulting group together, working for a number of different bars and restaurants. Always kind of with the understanding it was a means to an end of opening our own place. Until we had the opportunity, like you said, in 2016, uh, we mm-hmm. opened Service Bar on U Street. And it has, it's, I think it still is what we always wanted it to be, but it's grown into something that I think represents a lot more than we ever could have hoped or dreamed. And we're just incredibly proud of it. And then, But I think you should talk about a little bit about the idea behind Service Bar because it really became an industry hangout, right? Like, I mean, yes, the lay person went there because of your um, intentional making of cocktails, but the industry, that's where people went to hang out. How did how did that start? Like, why did that start? Why was everybody going to you guys, given what's going on here in the cocktail world? Do you know what I mean? In the D.C. market, like we have lots of cocktail places. Sure. And I think you have to rewind the clock seven years ago as well to understand a bit of our mindset and mentality. There's a lot of wonderful places that were open and around. But the cocktail experience was very formal, very quiet, very dedicated to kind of an intimate experience, which is great. However, we were restaurant people, and so we would finish our restaurant jobs, and we loved cocktails, and we would never get to go to cocktail bars because they would close early. Mm-hmm. When you finish working a 12-hour shift, you're not going to sit down with the dude you've just been bartending with and have a nice little quiet experience. We're going to an Irish pub. We're having a beer and a shot. And so what we really wanted to do was bridge those two worlds. So mm. in essence, it's a place that we always wanted to hang out. So our mission statement is to be a neighborhood bar first and a cocktail bar second. And the reason that service is bolded in our name and bar is not – Because the product that we think we really serve is the service, the hospitality, the warmth that you get, the wonderful atmosphere. And the cocktails are like what we do for ourselves. Mm -hmm. We love them. We find them interesting. We keep our staff and ourselves motivated every day. It's a fun place, though. I mean, our son, Sam, wait a minute. No, no, no. We have to wrap up. No, we don't have to talk about Sam again. No, I'm not talking about Sam. Sam's at Silver Lion. Yes, we know. But he said, if you want to go to a great bar, not that Silver Lion isn't. It he sure took me is. to service bar. I had right. a, it's a blast. Okay, what are Thank you making you. first? So the first drink that we have for you is a drink we bring back every year. It's one of my absolute favorites. It's called the Baked Apple and Pear Gin and Tonic. Mm-hmm. So when apples and pears come into peak season, we take uh, kind of three different varietals of each. Uh, we bake them so they get nice and soft, and then we basically cook that down with a number of different botanicals. So we use kind of your, like, bittering agents. There's myrgum, there's marshmallow root, there's, like, a tiny bit of gentian. And then we use cinchona bark, which is what um, – Kainan is derived from. It's actually Peruvian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we put just your normal litany of baking spices in it as well. And then that just gets combined with some clarified citrus gin and forced carbonate. Okay, great. Is that we're all? Gonna, we're okay. going to drink that and go to our <laughs> All right. Guest. So uh, as I mentioned earlier, Cafe Unido's mission is no, to- We are talking to Lydia. Oh, we're going to Lydia first. Yes, we are. I don't know anything. I know. You really I don't. don't. Well, like Lydia, Lydia is a whole thing. Lydia Chang is is- um, a family member mm-hmm. of the family that owns Chang Chang here in D.C. But not just Chang Chang. You but need Peter to Chang's. expand Peter right, well, Chang. I'm, I mean, I'm going to let Lydia tell her own story. Okay. 
Lydia? Hi. So, you know, so this is the kind of junk I go through at home. You see yep. where I get told what to do. Right. But tell you us about Chang Chang and about <laughs> the family. Thank you, Lydia. Thank you. Okay. Hi. I'm Lydia Chan. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a managing member of the Peter Chan Restaurant Group. Mm-hmm. I'm also managing a family of uh, two chefs, Chef Peter and Chef Lisa. Right. So we have um, about a dozen business um, locations. Uh, some of them are Peter Chan, which you probably heard about. Mm-hmm. And today we're here to talk about our DC location. Well, but let's give for, for people who maybe don't know, let's give them just a little background on how it became the dynasty that it is. Because the Peter Chan name is, you know, sort of synonymous with amazing Chinese food, but it changed the way people in the Mid Atlantic sort of viewed Chinese food. I mean, there are like people who like treat you all like a cult, right? Like they That's followed right. your dad around wherever he was. So can we talk a little bit about his coming to the country, your coming to this country and what that was like? Of course. Um, so dad first came to the States in 2001. Um, he was working at the uh, ambassador's residence in D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was just cooking a lot of the food that he um, you know, with a lot of flavors, with a lot of um, classic uh, recipes. And he had no idea what the food is like outside of the residence. Sure. Um, and his friends took him to mom and pops, to like the famous restaurants, Chinese restaurants in the area. And he's like, you know, the food here, it's so different than what I'm used to cooking mm-hmm. in China. Um, and he all started with, what can I do to make a change to that? Mm-hmm. He wants to use bold flavors. He's not afraid of spicy things up to get people sweat, to get them eat what the original flavors are supposed to be. Is that why we had to eat dinner naked when we were <laughs> <laughs> No, but I think what's interesting about that is that there, it, your father's uh, education to the American public on how to eat sort of commingled with the time where the consumer was like, yeah, we're not eating right. Do you know what I mean? We want to be more educated. It was the time that Sichuan peppercorn was prohibited to come to the States. Oh, my God. It's like on the list of, no, like it does something to you, like it numbs you. Right. So maybe it's a medicine. You shouldn't be coming in as a food ingredient. Right. So it was a time that, you know, other people were like, oh, like what am I eating? I don't know what it is. Right. right? A lot of fear. But there is like a small group of um, the hardcore followers that Mm -hmm. are like, Whatever you're cooking, it's something that I have never experienced, right. and I want to have more. So at what point did you become, so then, you know. Many, many years later. later <laughs> he opened up restaurants. I mean, they're all over the East Coast. So, but, you know, there's, now you have different concepts. That's right. And how did you get involved? Like, at what point were you like, dad, move over? Well, in 2014, I started to come back to the States after studying and living abroad in Mm -hmm. Europe. And, you know, out of um, eating on a student budget, but just knowing like the food has so much to offer. Mm. It should be, you know, something that's approachable, but something different, too. Right. So I think about Mm. what are the things that I could contribute to the family business. I can't cook. Mm-hmm. I don't talk to me about cooking anything. Um, Can you wash I stay, dishes? 
out of the kitchen for a reason. I know that's not my competition. Right. I know I have to just excellent chefs at home, and anything I do would look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think on the business side. Um, started in 2015 is when we opened our first DMV location right. in Arlington, Virginia, and that was a huge um, opening that none of us, meaning like none of the family member or the anyone that worked in the restaurant group, could have seen what we were doing back then.、Mm-hmm. The opening was, you know, we had people waiting out the door before、right. we even opened, and it was a lot of Um, industry like chefs, we Scott Juno was, was eating say, there. Scott Juno was a total was eating Scott there. Scott <laughs> Juno is such a fan girl. I mean, totally and completely agree.、Yeah. So、right. it was, you know, back to like service bar was built to for the industry to hang out. We didn't know who were coming in to eat with us, right? And we were making just you well, know. I like, ate dinner at Chico two nights ago. I think he stole a lot of stuff. Okay, wait, we're gonna take. I can't. I can't answer to Inspired, that. Inspired, not stole. Inspired. Inspired. And don't like do that to Scott. Okay, so、um, we love Scott. Of course we do. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. When we、sure. come back, let's talk about Chan Chan. It's、yes. opening and what you guys are doing.、Okay. This is David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. Okay, so anybody who knows me knows that if it's sports. I will watch it on TV, except for cricket. I don't do cricket, but I love going <laughs> to watch my sports at Nick's Riverside Grill in Georgetown. It's fabulous. They've got 21 TV screens down there.、Uh, they've got a great selection of beers. The food is terrific. They've got a dish called the Crazy Big Nachos that is exactly as described, and a Detroit-style deep dish pizza that's just nuts. And there's nothing like watching a game, stuffing your face with a bunch of people that are enjoying it just like you are. Nick's Riverside Grill in Georgetown. If you love sports and you love fun food, go there. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast talking to Lydia Tank. Lydia, right off the bat, you this, first of all, you're about to celebrate your first anniversary. That's right. Which is nice. October twenty second was when we opened last well, year. Today. Wow, isn't that amazing?、Yeah. Okay, so but it's gone through some transition. Yes. Let's talk about Chan Chan. How it. Because you guys have different concepts, how does this concept differ from the traditional Peter Chang restaurant? Well, when we first started Chan Chan, it was going to be our first proper DC location.、Mm-hmm. We wanted to, you know, do something very creative, so out of the world that people don't really recognize. Oh, what am I eating from looking at that?、Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of fusion. It was a lot of working with young chefs that bringing their Uh, Spanish cooking background, French cooking backgrounds,、mm-hmm. and、um, it was really interesting menu. You know, a year later, I still think our opening menu was so strong, so creative. That's you know, you might see something like this in London、mm-hmm. um, or in New York, and we want to offer that in DC.、Mm-hmm. The opening just got a lot of people excited about another Peter Chan opening,、mm-hmm. which the concept isn't. Didn't really match very well with the customer expectation. So、mm. we constantly hear customer wanted something Peter Chan. We're like, what is Peter Chan? We're not Peter Chan. We are Chan Chan. <laughs> <laughs> right. So at home, I keep having this、um, fight or conversation with dads.、Um, like, how can we take your cooking to something you know younger, to something more fun, more creative?、Mm-hmm. So. 
Enough said.、Um, a year later,、mm-hmm. we offered what the customers have been asking. This is more closer to what they expect that cooking to be. Okay,、uh, which you know, not everything is. Um, cooked by him because he's a very busy. Well, you have a whole bunch of restaurants. <laughs> you can't be everywhere, right? right. So we brought in a new、uh, CDC chef from Philly, and who just has,、um, you know, day one communicated very well with that vision of cooking and. You know, with、uh, using a lot of seasonal ingredients、mm-hmm. like the food we have today, with a lot of seafood and Maryland cl- blue crab. Okay, so like, can we talk about my favorite dish? Yes, tofu skin. Can we、yes. talk about that dish? Because I think if people just see to the un- uninitiated, if they see tofu skin on the menu, they're gonna be like, "What? It's so." Was、good. that like like it to you? No, I mean I'm so. Listen, I think Americans have been fed really bad tofu for a really long time. That has changed dramatically in the last probably ten, fifteen years, especially with the rise of plant-based offerings. But tofu skin doesn't sound sexy. <laughs> Just doesn't. Can we give tofu skin a new name? Yes, let's give tofu skin a new name. <laughs> okay, but, but can we talk about what it is? What that dish is? Well, the tofu skin is a very labor-intense process to make.、Mm-hmm. First, it's a、um, dry sheet of tofu, like the top layer,、um, so it's dry. We need to soak it up so that it becomes soft and loose.、Mm-hmm. And not only like we need to add flavor to it because tofu skin on itself, it's like eating plain cheese、mm-hmm. that doesn't have any flavors.、Mm. Um, so we soak it and braise it with.、Um, Five spice with herbs, with、um, lemongrass, with just a lot of、um, ingredients to give it bold flavors.、Mm-hmm. And then we need to take it out, let it rest, and sit. So it's a whole like maybe twelve, fifteen hours of preparing it to make it into a tofu skin salad. That's so good. Okay, so we have to wrap up. Tell people quickly. You have a couple things coming up. We do. Let's hear it. We have a ticketed dinner、mm-hmm. um, to celebrate the Amish、um, harvest.、Mm. So that works with a Amish community up in the Finger Lakes region.、Mm. And every this time of the year, we get a lot of、uh, pumpkins. We get、um, a lot of seasonal ingredients、mm-hmm. from them. So there is a dinner on November eighth,、mm-hmm. and、um, on the same day, we are having a. International well-known、um, Chinese cookbook writer Donna、uh, Fuchsia Donald、mm. to come、uh, to be coming to Tianqian to host a happy hour Q and A. So、right. she will be there introducing her first, not first,、um, latest book、um, on Chinese cooking. Excellent. Okay, tell everybody where they can find you and the restaurant on Instagram, please. Yes. So、uh, Instagram, we are at Tianqian DC.、Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks for bringing all this in too. And don't、okay. forget the Peking duck. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Chad, step back up. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the intentionality of your cocktails and what you're serving on the service bar menu these days. Like, how does it evolve? Like, this is a labor-intensive cocktail, and I bring that up specifically because the next people we're talking to are talking about sort of the basics of cocktails and. and The foundations of them and growing on them. How do you guys do that at Service Bar? 
Sure. So everyone has to start with a base knowledge and understanding of classic cocktails because mm -hmm. those are kind of your foundations or your kind of basic structures. Just like if you were studying cooking, you're going to learn the French mother sauces, right? Sure. And then everything is kind of built off of those. So we operate in a very similar way. Um, we take inspiration from a million different sources. So seasonality mm -hmm. is a huge and kind of very approachable one. Mm -hmm. When things come into season, we get super excited about a particular ingredient. We'll bring it in, we'll play with it, and we'll kind of see what we are able to build and ascertain. Mm -hmm. And we've developed so many drinks over the years that we have kind of a Rolodex of like 400 to 500 cocktails that we've put on the menu that we could always cycle back. So what we'll do is say, we're gonna bring in apples and pears and we're gonna start with the drinks that we already know so mm -hmm. that we can bring in, we can start producing, and then the team can start tinkering and playing around and developing drinks that way. Mm -hmm. And so I still play a large role in creative, but my goal is to make our team better and to help them find their own stride and their own path with making and building drinks. But mm -hmm. I tell them this, that if you start with the most simplistic version of your idea and it sucks, you're not going to make it better by adding things to it. Right. So you only have to start with the, the simple base they're structure. They're laughing. Carrie and John are laughing. Carrie and John are laughing. Silently, they're like, yes. but they're laughing. Yes, they're like, yes. I think I, we're going to have Chad put on headphones while you guys are on so everybody can sort of play together here. All right, what are you making next? Yeah, so next is, um, so Concord grape season is gone in a flash. Yes, it, it is. It lasts for two to three weeks. And so we get really excited. Um, we work with a farm in Pennsylvania, also an Amish farm, that we order like 60 pounds of Concord grapes, and then we'll kind of prep them down. And so the drink that we God, have- the smell must be amazing when that order comes in, because Concord grapes, like that scent is- In our little town scent. of Kensington, we have a Concord grape arbor. We do. You walk through it, it's only about 12 feet long, and it's get high on on The must of it, smell. yeah, the smell is Makes amazing. me want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Well, yes. and look at the color too. The color is so pretty, and that purple is just unbeatable. So. The drinks that we have on our menu right now, we do a Pisco Punch with Concord, we do a Concord Daiquiri, but what I'm making for you we call Purple Rain. Okay. It's a vodka Concord yuzu drink mm. that also has a little bit of umeboshi or the salted plum, mm. and it has a tiny bit of Averna Amaro in it to just add a small layer of complexity, but it's served up more daiquiri style. Okay, okay. we're here for it. Dig in. Okay. And speaking of John and Carrie, uh, John McCarthy and Carrie Jones are a husband and wife team that love to drink, I guess. Is that... Good way of putting it. And right. And right. And they've won a, they've won, they've written a great book called Who Loves the Classics? And that's really classic cocktails, but with a twist. And the twist. No, in, they wrote a book called. Every Cocktail Has a Twist. Sorry. Every Cocktail Has it like. I can't read. Did you read? I read it. I read the whole damn thing. I mean, my God. But I love the, I love the, the, the concept here is how to make the, it's the 25 probably most basic, simple cocktails that everybody knows. But and you can make it straight up and simple. But you guys have added elements that that you know it's a variation on. A well, theme. I think what you and did, and you can correct me if you're wrong. You talk about foundations, and then building on the foundations, and it's really for people who are in the industry and people who are not, right? Because like to Chad's point, if the cocktail sucks from the get-go, adding more to it is not going to make it better, right? It's not going to help. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very good point. We always had a joke. You could tell a, a new bartender by the amount of quarter ounces of different ingredients that were added to the drink. <laughs> right. Like if there's 20 things in there, you know, you just know you're like amateur. It's, it's got a foam on the top, right? Yeah. So I do want to say yeah, for those like, of you in the D.C. area, John McCarthy is related to Ann McCarthy, 
who is a good friend and has been around for a really long time. So there's nepotism at play Yes, here except this. that's not why I booked him. So, John, yeah, had no idea. Um, tell us both, John and Carrie, tell us a little bit about both of you and how you guys sort of got into not just, you know, m- making cocktails, but then writing about them. So I'm a career food and drink writer. Um, I've been in this world for more than 15 years. Um, And John and I actually met when I wrote about him. The the joke is that the drinks were so good I married him. And I say it's about 95% of the joke. Or maybe maybe it was because of the drinks. It could have been because of the drinks. They they can cloud your vision. (laughs) She did review me. That is how we met. That's so sweet. Um, But... um, we started doing a column for a uh, food and wine magazine online all the way back in 2013. And the, uh, the column was called liquor cabinet roulette. Mm-hmm. And the concept was that it was very much for the home bartender. And we would take a drink, we would take an ingredient that people might've seen at bars, but not necessarily know well. And, you know, a decade ago, this could be something like St. Germain or Campari yeah. that feels pretty basic now. Yeah, cold brew liqueur, something that you were like, oh, this was in my drink. The bartender told me about it. What is it? I know that <laughs> there's, what is it? And it's hardly anything in this drink. So then we would take it and kind of be like, okay, so you bought this bottle. What can you do with it? Mm-hmm. And it would start as simple as, hey, put some St. Germain in your Prosecco, you know, something that right. now sounds pretty commonplace, but yeah. people people might not know. Um, and, and again, the, the stress on the home bartender. Yeah. So everything we did, and I think part of it comes from, um, you know, John has a professional background in mixology, but I'm, I'm an amateur. I mean, I, I, I she's good, (laughs) but I've, um, I don't have that, um, professional background. So I think together we really appreciate, um, kind of a home bartender skill level and how, you know, you can really start, um, at a really basic level and just with a few tips, with a little bit of knowledge, make great drinks. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not, up to the standards of what would be at service bar. They're not, you know, they're not fancy mixologist drinks, but once you know the basics, you can make something really great at home. And so I, I do hope there we have at least one drink for you in there though, Chad. Chad has a drink in each hand right now. So let's talk about, let's talk about, Oh wait, do you want to take a break first? Yeah. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, what I love in here is sort of your suggestions for building a bar and how the person at home can do that, because it can be intimidating. This is David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. We're shaking you up this morning. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast, David and Nikki Nellis, and we're talking to John McCarthy and Carrie Jones, husband Mm -hmm. and wife. They've written a great book called Every Cocktail Has a Twist, and it's really more for folks at home who want to be able to make the sort of the 25 most famous, best-known cocktails but also add a little life to them that otherwise they might not know about. Yes. Thank God, Carrie's nodding, so I did it right. Okay, thank goodness. Um, (laughs) So let's talk about sort of the foundations of having a home bar. Because like you both were saying when you wrote that article, when you wrote uh, regularly for Food & Wine online, there are so many like bitters and accoutrements and so many different things out there right now that are in pretty bottles and gorgeous packaging and it's also pretty but it's not all so necessary so what are some of the absolute basics that you need well i think that what we always tell people who are just starting to build out their home bar is um pick a drink you like and go from there Mm. so if you're a manhattan fan get a rye you like, get a bourbon you like, get a fabulous sweet vermouth, 
and you can start building your bitters collection. Um, but I think sometimes people try to do one of everything and take kind of a scattershot approach. And that's a really good way to spend a lot of money on bottles you might not necessarily use. So mm -hmm. yeah. one thing we like about the approach of um, finding a classic you love and building on it is the ingredients are going to be similar. So if you know that you're a Negroni fan, maybe you are investing in all those different Amari, um, all those different Italian bitter liqueurs. But, mm -hmm. you know, if you're, if you're drinking... Um, one of the things about the book, too, is and when you open it up, you see there's there's space on the pages. And one of, with our previous book, Be Your Own Bartender, um, we thought this as well, is, is for the, the reader to start exploring. And so you've made this drink and you use this ingredient. And you're like, wow, I really like that. And then you make another drink and you like this ingredient. And then you can decide for yourself, what if I put those two together, get rid of this, add this, and then you've created your whole new drink and mm -hmm. it's all yours and you've written it down and now you can expand off of that. And maybe now you'll write a cocktail book. And then you can write a cocktail book. <laughs> well, but no, but I think discussing the flavor profiles is important because if a person walks into, let's say, a service bar and says, make me a cocktail, right? And they say, okay, well, what do you like? Articulating that is kind of tough. Do you know what I mean? Like, I go ahead. Well, sorry, I'm laughing because when 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 customers would come to me and be like, you know, what should I have? I, I would just say, shot of tequila. Like, what what's your <laughs> what's your best drink? Shot of tequila. Next. Right. No, I listen. It's really smart because for me, I'm more of a wine drinker. I mean, people pour me cocktails all the time. I'm more of a wine drinker, but I have learned how to articulate the flavors that I want in a cocktail. Yeah. Like I don't want really sweet. I don't want super juicy. I don't mind a little spice. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, those are yeah. things I don't like a high sugar content in my cocktail as far as taste, not as far as calories. I do want to say, sense? by the way, a shot of tequila is a much better thing than a shot of peppermint schnapps, which oh my God. tends to taste the same coming out as it does going down. And, and I'm being flippant, but because I have sat, you know, and had the conversations with people that are really interested in, in exploring what they're, what they don't know that they want. Mm -hmm. And I think, like Nikki said, just having reference points to start with, you know, yeah. knowing that you prefer a spicy drink to a sweeter one, things like that, mm -hmm. that just kind of helps you open up into the whole world of cocktails um, rather than kind of feeling lost in a menu, I think. Yeah. Well, and I think what you um, both that's really put in here is about balance. Right. That balance is at the end of the day, what's going to make your best cocktail. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If it's out of balance, it's not good. So let's talk about some of the classics here that you love to build on. What are your favorites at the moment? Well, we got 25 of them. Well, <laughs> right. You got 25. Pick one. So um, we love we love we love spritzes. We do love spritzes. Um, and even this time Easy of drinking year, spritzes. Um, we find that, you know, as much as an Aperol spritz is probably something you want during the summer, there's yeah. so many other ingredients you can spritzify um, that are a little more all season friendly. So well, you, what have, are, you know, what's uh, a good fall or, or winter spritz? Because, uh, you know, the, the an Aperol spritz is has summer, summer. summer written all over it. Mm hmm. Um, one that we love is actually a spritz with a uh, Pim's liqueur mm. and, you know, Pim's, you probably know from a Pim's cup, but when you taste it by itself, it has a lot of those really kind of warming, nurturing spices that we really love in fall. Um, mm -hmm. And so we do a spritz with Pim's, a little bit of cucumber um, that, you know, is a great aperitif at any time of year. And then uh, and the Pim's kind of has an Amaro-y kind of Amari, Amari kind of quality to it. Mm. Um, 
And then we also have one with um, a gentian liqueur from a brand called Lo-Fi that we, it's uh, made in California and I absolutely adore it. To yeah, me, it's, it tastes like a, like a warm winter sweater on a fall day. Like it's just cozy. It has this just amazing, almost visceral quality. Um, and we do that with a little bit of yellow chartreuse. And if you can get it. it, if you can get it, <laughs> right? It's hard to get yellow Which you can't, right? right. And Chad is like, no, you can't. Yeah. You can't get it. Good luck. All right, listen. <laughs> we thank you guys so, so much Jennifer for. Is our sub. Where can we find you guys? I know we can buy this book anywhere. Um, Every cocktail has a twist. Master twenty-five classic drinks and craft more than two hundred variations. Carrie uh, Jones and John McCarthy. Tell us where we can follow you all on Instagram, or where we can find more about your other books and all the things you both are doing. Absolutely. The best place would be my Instagram, uh, Carrie underscore Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, John's old school. He, he I'm more the beast of this relationship. Okay. Though. We're here for yeah. that. You mean you, you mispronounce yeah. everything and it's And you don't read anything and like you have <laughs> absolutely no idea. I only woke up 20 minutes ago, John. What do you want? I mean, do you have any idea what you're talking about? <laughs> okay. Thank you both for joining us this morning. Next time you come to town. Give us a ping, please. We'd love to have you in studio. Absolutely. Well, we'll thank you. Same on our end. Okay. Oh, yeah. And you're going to have to. They want you at service bar. Now you're going to have to go to service bar. But they're going to make you work, apparently. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Everyone who comes <laughs> needs to hop back behind the bar. Oh, yeah. No kidding. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank All you. Right, bye. All right. Chad. Chad. This is when I was little, my mother used to buy big bottles of Concord grape juice, and I'd sit in front of the TV, I'm embarrassed to say, with a brick of cream cheese. And I don't bottle, think he's really embarrassed. And a bottle of Concord it. grape juice, and I'd eat the cream cheese and drink, you know. Did you eat the bar of cream cheese like a candy bar? Like an ice cream sandwich. Yeah. Perfect. That's what? So weird? Listen, look at it. it, it obviously, longevity. Listen, look at him. Longevity, <laughs> word, look at me. I'm a picture of right. death. Um, this is as close to that as I can get. This is delicious. Awesome. I'm glad you enjoy and it. I can't taste, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm more of a beer guy than I am a Cocktail guy. I'm not tasting a lot of alcohol in here. I could chug this all day. No, and that's how I felt about this one, but I'm going to not be able to stand if I continue. They're sneaky. They're Mm, sneaky. Because they're balanced. Right, exactly. Well, let me ask you a question. Given the the accolades of the service bar and the kind of bar it is and how well you all do, um, why participate in something like DC Cocktail Week? Well, for one, DC Cocktail Week is thrown by REMW, which is a hugely important organization in our industry. I mm-hmm. mean, especially during COVID, they were this like amazing, almost a lighthouse for us, helping to show us where the beacon and where the coast was and what direction to go in and helping us to steer our ships. So, I mean, we are an integral part of that community and always want to be. But DC Cocktail Week is a great way for a ton of people who wouldn't normally go out to go experience a lot of different places. And so it's, we want to be a part of that community. You know, mm-hmm. Service Bar, we have core values. Our our first core value is safety and our second core value is community. Mm-hmm. So if we are going to be a part of the DC cocktail community, how could we not participate in DC Cocktail Week as well? But- so there's a ton of people that still haven't visited us that this would be an opportunity for them to come see. Mm-hmm. And then for us to hope, hopefully show them that it's a great part a great event to participate in that they can then go around and check out other places and always come to us and we'll give you the recommendations for all well, the other it's places like restaurant to go see. week for, for bars. But I think what's interesting because once a place gets the kind of reputation that service bar has, the uninitiated might be in a way intimidated, but you know, oh, that's like an in place. I can't go there. And you have 
I mean, it was so welcoming. I had never been there before, and I'm not a you know a knowledgeable cocktail guy. You actually I, have been there before, but no, ahead. no, no. I said I had never been there before. I went with Sammy. No, you went there before Sam, but it's okay. Oh my God, mommy, let me talk. Mm-hmm. Anyways, the point was when I came in. Every, I mean, the bartenders were, in, you know, we were engaged, and it was more like meeting up with a an extended family than it was coming into a place where I had to, you know pretend like I knew something that I didn't. Well, that's great. It means that we are doing what we've set out to do. And after we have gotten accolades and acclaim, we definitely have people that are visiting D.C. that are going to come to check us out. But um, some of the recognition we've got, we're grouped in with places that are a bit more formal and are a bit more of the hotel bar, high end, a little quieter. And so people are sometimes really taken aback when they walk into service bar. Because it's a bar. They're not sure what to expect. And then they... Kind of look around and it's really casual, and you see people that well, that's have the other a thing. It have doesn't a beer. look like a stuffy, you know, but so I, yeah. If I can, sure. So, service bar is a bar, yes. and I know what you're referring to when you're talking about sort of these hushed tones around cocktails, and um, I believe that that is a trend in certain. Um, I, I hate to call them bars because they're not. It, they're experiences, right? Mm-hmm. You're going in for this cocktail experience. It is hushed. People are not loud. There is an experience there that is happening. And I there's nothing wrong with it. It's great. But you guys are a bar bar. You're just happening to serve really amazing cocktails. There's, you know, there's a consideration into what you're doing. And yeah. I totally applaud that. Thank you. Absolutely. And that's, like I said, it's what we set out to do. We're neighborhood mm-hmm. bar first and a cocktail bar second. All right. What are you pouring next? So the last drink that we have for you is called Mountain Fog. Um, mm-hmm. This kind of seeks a little bit of inspiration from Middle Eastern flavors. So it's kind of a play on a Monte Carlo. So Monte Carlo is a classic cocktail that uses whiskey, uh, Benedictine, which is uh, uh, a liqueur from Monastery, and then mm-hmm. uh, bitters. So a pretty simple stirred drink. However, this is going to be a split base between whiskey and rum that are infused with uh, dark raisins and fig leaf. Okay. Essentially, you'll be driving on both sides of the road. Right, this exactly. Is where... <laughs> <laughs> right. While you make that. All right, my darling Giovanna. Hi, Giovanna. Giovanna Uriola is the executive chef at a great place called Cafe Unido. And the mission there is to promote awareness of and drinking of Panamanian coffee. That's a central thing. But you are the chef there, and you provide – we did this coffee tasting in August that was just knockout. But we've had – the coffee here in studio. Yes. And we got the education on the geisha and the kinds of coffees coming out of Panama. Um, but what is interesting is that there is a real disconnection of understanding that there is a chef there cooking. So can we talk about like how you became a part of this? Yeah, you know, it's been... Uh... It's been a journey here for me mm-hmm. because most of people say like, okay, wait, we thought this was only coffee. And right. then they come to the coffee shop and they discover the menu that we have there. And it's like, wow, you guys have food. Oh, so It's not just food. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's food with magic and a lot of magic. love and a lot of Panamanian flavors. So I think that uh, people like little by little is starting to to know that we have like a great menu uh, at Cafe Unido and which I'm changing like every week. I put mm-hmm. some specials and well, um, I started Blue Unido in Panama and they decided uh, to bring me here to open this project. So I said, hey, we should do very, very Panamanian uh, cuisine. So with coffee. 
that's uh, that's other like interesting thing there. Yeah. Like yeah, it's a challenge because people love to drink coffee. That's like the most important thing for most people in the world. Like, most of their mornings, up, right? Yeah, and you get your coffee. But what about putting coffee in the food? In, in, in a menu, it's like for me, it's been a, an amazing experience and I'm still like every day, I'm still working, studying about it, like um, experience with new flavors. For, the, for example, the the ones you guys tried uh, last time you went well, so to we, the We have to take a break, but what I want to do is sort of explain to people what the cuisine is that you're making, the flavors that you're incorporating, and then how you are pairing it with coffee. Because... Panamanian food doesn't need to be paired with coffee, but you're doing that. So I kind of want to hit that a little bit, okay? This is David and Nikki Nellis. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis, and we're talking to our wonderful dear chef, Giovanna Uriola from Cafe Unido. Before we get back into talking about all the foods, I got to mention that you were a top finisher in Top Chef Panama. Yes. You're a big deal, and you were Owen Wilson's private chef. Yes. So I have to ask you, what's with his nose? (laughs) (laughs) The same one you see in the TV. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So back to your food. All right. So, so, um, and I don't know this. Do you use coffee as an ingredient in, 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 not obviously in everything, but in some of your foods? Yes, I do. How does that work? Did you always or no when you came here? When I came, when I came here, right? Yeah, when I came here, I got more involved in this uh, coffee world, which I love a lot. And well, Panamanian cuisine—it's a beautiful um, combination of African, Asian, and Caribbean flavors. So when I started uh, tasting coffees. Uh, we discover like, hey, this coffee tastes like chocolate or this coffee tastes like jasmine, uh, berries, tamarind, and a lot of flavors. So I said, hey, we have those flavors also in our cuisine. So why why not like up. do this pairing? And that's how I started building this uh, these dishes with coffee in, in, in the menu. And so people can come in for the omakase experience, right? Yes. Can you walk us through that a little bit? Because you're also, you guys are totally known for brunch, like your brunch is killing it. So I want to talk about the omakase first, and then people who don't want to come in for an experience, what else they can be eating at the cafe? Sure. Uh, For the omakase, people can make the reservations online in our webpage, or also in our Instagrams at Cafe Unido USA. And... When you come to that experience, you're going to be able to try the best coffee in the world. We have a very special coffee, and that's the Geisha coffee. And it's why it delicious. is delicious. Yeah. It is delicious. And why is it special? Because, well, fortunately, Panama has this uh, kind of terroir that is very specific. We have, for example, winds from the Pacific, from the Caribbean. We have uh, highlands. We have the the temperature, so that makes this uh, coffee bean grow in the perfect conditions to get flavors that you won't get in any any other coffee bean in the world. Well, it's also it's not it's interesting. It's a very purposeful industry because it's not an old industry. I think pe- people what fifty years ago looked around and said, everybody else is growing coffee. Let's see what we can do here. Exactly. And it's 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 an amazing it's yeah, an engine now. Yeah, it's amazing, and I think that's the purpose of the Omakase. It's to bring all those um, specialty coffee beans, and the as in many ways that we can pre, uh, prepare them, 
and pair it with uh, with food, like with these little um, uh, how you call like small dishes, mm-hmm. uh, where you can feel like explosion of flavors uh, when you mix it together. And you right. absolutely do. And then let's talk about the regular menu because yep. there is a regular menu. You feature pastries from Pluma Bakery, am yes. I right? Yes. But then you are doing breakfast sandwiches. You have a whole thing. What do you? Let's talk about what you're making there. Yeah, we're. I'm making a breakfast sandwich. For example, I bring the the top seller. It's wow that this breakfast sandwich. Uh, I do it with a crispy mozzarella cheese. It has eggs, it has a sofrito aioli, guacamole, bacon, and every day that's our top uh Don't you think someone should take a bite of that? I mean, that looks sure, delicious. Sure. Here, take a bite. Right, yeah. Thank see. you. Okay. And also it has uh, this, uh, it's kind of mambo sauce, <gasps> but I, I make it with the coffee house ketchup Oof. that I make in the in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. I think that's only that's also something uh, oh beautiful. God. For me, like we try to do everything from scratch, or ketchups, or sauces. Uh, also, we have empanadas, carimanolas. We have all the traditional uh, food from Panama, and and some of the dishes I try to mix techniques. For example, mm. I have right now a Benedict's eggs, but I'm using a sofrito on this with them. And instead of doing it with a English muffin, I'm using fried yuca. Mm. That's so you're really of, playing. Yeah, I'm playing. I'm playing with. I know what that people love that for brunch, for example. Uh, but I use Panamanian flavors. Mm-hmm. I love that. And how are you uh, finding accessing the kind of ingredients and flavors you need to incorporate into your menus? Is it easy to get at the beginning? Not so much. Not so much. Uh-huh. Uh, I had to work a lot. But, well, right now I can say, yeah, I can get all the, the ingredients that I need. Do you need have to go to through a distributor or do you bring it in straight out of Some Panama? of them, for example, well, our coffee, all our coffee comes from Panama. Sure. We have a roastery, our own roastery here. So we roast our coffee here and also coffee husk that I use for many recipes in the cafe. We bring it from Panama. Mm. Right. So can we talk about the coffee husks? Yeah, sure. How are you incorporating them in? Because, like, I have the tea with the coffee husks, mm-hmm. which I thought was fantastic. But how are you incorporating them into your dishes? Well, coffee husk, for me, is very versatile. It, it tastes like tamarind and citrix and berries at the same mm-hmm. time. So what I do, you receive, like, the coffee husk dried. So I put it in, the like, a, as an infusion mm-hmm. in dishes, for example, the, the ketchup. So I boil the, the tomato paste and all the ingredients with the coffee husk, and mm-hmm. then I blend it. So I extract all the flavor from that coffee husk mm. that makes the or ketchup very different. Or you can also, like, um, braise it with, with any kind of uh, meat, uh, and that will add a lot flavor. of flavor to it. Fascinating. Yeah. Okay. All Tell right. everybody we She's have not to just it a chef. She's an artist. Yes. <laughs> Tell everybody where we can find you. Sure. Okay. Uh, Cafe Unido have two locations here in Washington, D.C. One is at La Cosecha by Union District. We Mm -hmm. only serve coffee there and some pastries, but we have our big baby at Shaw. Uh, It's close from Howard University. It's right next door to the new Whole Foods. Exactly. So there you can find our brunch menus, uh, the regular menus in the weeks. Also, you can leave the Omakase experience. Wow, yeah. I invite all of you to to go and live that experience. Great. Thank you so much.
Thank you, Chad. You're welcome. All right, Chad. The Chad. Hello. <laughs> you know about that? The Chad, yeah, I'm, I'm woefully aware. I don't think there's a Chad on this planet that doesn't right. know the, the Chad. Chad. The how Chad, did you get the down hanging that, Chad. I want to know how you got down that smokestack, that's all. But that's, uh, that's another story. Okay, so just a reminder, everybody, DC Cocktail Week returns. It is um, November 28th to the 5th of December, and it ends on repeal day, which is a very big deal here in this city. Like, everybody totally rocks it out. Are you participating in that this year? So we are not officially participating yet, but we would love to. We typically do, mm-hmm. and so details still need to be worked out. We've had a crazy schedule with events this year. Um, like in October, we did an event in Singapore, in London, and in Portland. So we are bragging. catching up right mm-hmm. now uh, with event organization for the rest of the year. Well, I have no uh, doubt. Let's just tell everybody quickly uh, just not only what's happening at Service Bar, but you have – you're part of Casa and Amazona, and all these like amazing accolades have uh, come yours and Glendon's way and Chef Carlos's way. Let's just sort of talk about that for a minute, and we'll wrap you up. Sure. Thanks a lot. Well, Service Bar just celebrated its seven-year anniversary. We're having a celebration on November 6th. If anyone wants to come, it's going to be at Crimson in Chinatown, mm. and proceeds will go to support youngstroke.org. Um, it's an organization that helps to support young people that have had strokes and have survived and, and recovered. Mm. If you're not aware, um, my business partner, Glendon, had a very tragic stroke a few years ago and mm-hmm. has done an incredible job with recovery, so it's something that's very near and dear to our hearts. Uh, about a year and a half ago, we opened Amazonia and Causa in Blagden Alley. It's mm-hmm. a two-story, two-concept Peruvian restaurant. Causa. A circus. It's so much fun. Uh, Kaus is a tasting menu on our first floor. And then Amazonia is an a la carte menu that focuses on flavors from the Peruvian Amazon. Really, it is us helping Carlos really have his baby and express Peruvian food through his lens and through our chef de cuisine, Alex Lazo's lens. And Glendon is one of the most foremost Pisco experts truly in the world his license plate is literally Pisco Love it. on his car, and yeah. uh, he runs an amazing bar program there. I let... He cut me off the other day. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no comment. All right, so tell us where we can find you, please, on Instagram and where the bar is. Sure. So my personal is Chad Spangler 11, Service Bar DC. Then we have Causa DC and Amazonia DC, all on Instagram. Um, you can come find us there. Service Bar is located on U Street in the north end of Shaw. And Cows Amazonia is right in Blagden Alley next to some really fantastic and lovely neighbors. Excellent. Right. Thanks. My okay. turn? Yeah, do it. All right. Um, usually we wrap up with a plea for people to sort of pay attention to things other than food and wine. Uh, and that is the news. There's so much violence in the world. Uh, don't forget the Ukrainians because Russia can't win that war. It's not allowed. So... Don't buy that latte and send some money to whether it's the Red Cross or Jose's group, World Central Kitchen. And for the Palestinians and the Israelis, all we want is peace. Uh, Support both sides. The Palestinian people did not ask for um, violence from Hamas. And meanwhile, they're the recipients of violence. And the Israelis certainly didn't ask for a massacre. And they've got to stand up for themselves. So it's a mess. But understand both sides and send money to the Red Crescent, send money to the Red Cross Help the folks that are stuck in the middle of this thing. Please.
Okay. And we want to thank all of you for joining us here in studio today. Don't forget Chefs for Equality, chefsforequality.org, for the amazing event that raised funds for civil liberties for the people in the LBGTQIA community. Um, there's a huge after party at Zebby's. Don't forget about that, too. But you only get to go to that if you go to Chefs for Equality. Everything you heard here today, you can find on the list or you want it.com. Of course, you want to follow me at NYCCINELLIS on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and all the other platforms don't forget industry night is on youtube and we are starting our new residency at the point so tune in for all that kind of i'll delicious follow you fun. anywhere thank you uh everybody please be safe out there and have a delicious week <laughs>